by inch, play by play, and we're finished. Welcome to the Gridiron Breakdown. We don't have a real name for it. Yeah. I'll give you media guys something to come up with. What's your assignment? Kill the quarterback. Hit the tight end so hard his girlfriend dies. Kill everybody. The football podcast for the fans, by the fans where we discuss the X's and O's of each week's premier football game. We've got to be the dumbest team in America in terms of playing the game. I thought you were going to do one of these. Your hosts are Jay and Allen. And when was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid do a chemistry experiment? You play football like Engineer played football. And Brian. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. And Lindsay. My favorite scene. I don't know what a hook he is, but God is one of them. Go! Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever ones don't, we'll back them up. Period. Cut and dry. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I can tell you how they feel about it. They don't like it. It's a lack of respect. It's not doing your homework and paying attention to what reality is. Now, let's get to the breakdown. Looks to me like they're coming up with a plan. Hello, you play to win the game. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown. We are heading into week two of the college football season and week one of NFL. I'm Jay. I'm Alan. I'm Brian. I'm Lindsay. And we are here to get you set up for the top games. But before we get into those, we got to take a look back at last week's action and the picks from last week. So go ahead and drag me down the brick staircase. I went four and three last week. I really wish that Kennedy Montalolo had let us all know that Navy had not been practicing in pads or hitting each other for a good 10 months before they took the field against BYU. My other two picks I have no excuse for, but Southern Miss went ahead and auto-corrected and fired their coach something i didn't think would happen in the covid season but i know it says he resigned y'all he got fired uh let's make no mistake and then that other pick i just made a bad one alan and Lindsay went a good and respectable five and two but then somewhere out of the blue the cinderella child the story of the weekend <laughs> brian you went six and one on your picks so good call all on that byu pick <laughs> Yeah, it was going to be a three-way tie <laughs> otherwise, but you you pulled that one uh, out of the old hat, and props to you for getting that one done. So no no doubt about that. That was your pick. But, uh, you know, more fun to be had this week. But real quick, any impressions from the weekend that was college football? Anything you guys saw that uh, really stood out to you? I saw a lot of sloppy football, a lot of bad tackling, a lot of guys who were winded, uh, lack of conditioning. And I think we're going to see more of the same for the first probably month of this COVID football season that um, a premium is going to be put on tackling for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, Jay, you brought that up, the Navy coming out with, oh, no, we didn't practice any of that. And it's so crazy how clear it is that they didn't when they were on the field. So that was a big thing. I think, too, um, and I think we've already – talked about this last week the teams that have already played and have played with no crowd are going and have gotten that first game under their belt I think that's going to be a huge boon for them 
Yeah, just getting used to the way everything goes and, and stuff like that. I, I will say, too, we were correct in our assumptions that uh, playing a triple option team first week is not a good idea if you're Middle Tennessee. Uh, Army clearly had practice tackling and had been physical. <laughs> and uh, I got to listen to a good bit of that game on the radio, uh, on the uh, the tune-in broadcast. And it was, as I said, it would be very loud because 4,000 angry cadets can be really loud uh, when they want to be in Mikey Stadium. So we'll see if that continues to work out. But, hey, we're past that first week. It's time to do some NFL. There's been some NFL stuff go down this week. We've had some potential trades. There have been some extensions, people getting paid now, which is really cool. I'm ready to kick off this NFL season and I'm ready to get into power uh, conference football too. Cause we got our power three, uh, the ACC and big 12, both kicking off this week. We're going to get right into it here. So it's time to do our featured games segment here on the grid, our breakdown. If you're new to the show, this is where one of our analysts presents a game, gives us all the key matchups, what they think, the things to watch, players to know, anything of interest along the way, and then gives a pick and a score. Then the rest of us go around the horn, lightning round style, and give our scores for the game as well. Alan, you will start us off this week. Your featured game is the Syracuse Orange on the road to take on the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's the 11 a.m. Central, 12 noon kick on the ACC Network. Tell us all about it, man. Well, first off, guys, I want to say that this game wouldn't have even sniff the lightning round in years past. But 2020, you know, we work with what we got. So, so guys, you know, UNC has some high hopes coming into 2020. Uh, they have a, a true playmaker in Sam Howell at quarterback, who is a freshman, only threw for 3,600 yards and 30 touchdowns, 38 touchdowns. and only had seven interceptions. He played really well for Mac Brown. This team brings back 10 starters on offense, seven on defense. Uh, they have Michael Carter and Javante Williams who combined for 1,900 rushing yards last year, but they only had eight touchdowns, which seems a little thin for, for guys who put up so many yards. They bring back uh, Diami Brown, who had over 1,000 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. And there's a lot expected of uh, Corrales and, and Newsom at, at wide receiver. People think that that group of three at North Carolina has a chance to be really good with Sam Howell at quarterback. They, they bring back four offensive line starters. Now, they've had two guys opt out due to COVID. They weren't starters, but there is some death concerns on the North Carolina offensive line. Uh, you know, um, th their defense w was kind of pesky last year. Uh, they run a modified kind of 3-4. They have a, a quarterback turned linebacker in uh, Serrate who really had just an amazing season last year, 115 tackles for a guy who hadn't played defense since high school. Uh, there are two uh, middle linebackers in Fox and Gimmel, started 13 games in that modified 3-4, but they lost uh, three defensive backs, two due to COVID, one due to uh, graduation, uh, meaning that that front seven is going to have to be great to really overcome uh, the deficiencies and lack of depth on, on the back end. Uh, we'll flip the coin and look at uh, Dino Babers' gang over at Syracuse, who had just a, a awful season last year. Uh, and they really have an uphill battle heading into this year. Uh, I just want to point this out. Their offensive line gave up 50 sacks last year. 5-0. But here's the positive thing. They bring back four starters, but they gave up 50 sacks last year. Uh <laughs> DeVito did a really good job at, uh, at quarterback. Uh, he only threw five picks uh, and 19 touchdowns, and not bad considering he was just getting his brains bashed in every week. Uh, they have a, a solid group of two or three running backs led by Dual Adams. Their tight ends are pretty good. They lost their top two receivers 
uh, from last year. So they'll be having to replace those. And here, here's where, you know, COVID kind of plays tricks. So COVID really messed up Syracuse defensive game plan. They really planned to go to a 3-3-5 uh, this year. And they had played two spring practices and uh, implemented that before spring practice got canceled. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they run, how they run it. I will say uh, their safety, uh, Andre Cisco is, is a real playmaker at uh, safety. He actually leads FBS with 12 uh, career interceptions. He's the active leader uh, right now. Trill Williams and Melifonwu are really great corners. They should really be able to lock down most of the receivers in the conference outside of probably Clemson, to be honest. Um, you know, they lost three starters on that defensive line, though. They lost the, their starting middle linebacker. The defense is thin up front, and that could really be an issue uh, for Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse had a bad season last year. Uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out. But, guys, I, th- I think North Carolina will come out sloppy. And I think they'll let Syracuse hang around for a half. But I think Sam Howell is the difference. And I think that awful, awful Syracuse offensive line will just be a turnstile at times, especially in the second half when I think uh, conditioning is going to be a real thing. So I'll like uh, UNC to pull away. I'll pick them uh, 38 to 16. All right, Allen's got UNC. Brian, what do you say? Um. I got to go with UNC as well. I, picking a score is tough. Um, let's go uh, 28 to 20. All right. You got a little closer. Lindsay, what about you? Um, I'm definitely going to pick UNC. Syracuse stands to be at the bottom of uh, the totem pole this year, as is in, based on last year. Score, I... Uh, that's a tough one. I'm really bad at picking scores. <laughs> How about 32 to 7? All right, God, you got a blowout going. Well, you're on to something. I think the spread was pretty wide on this one. So you're, you're right. We'll go with it. Yeah, and you actually stole my thunder on it because these Did early I? games have been blowouts, all right? Because the team that has something established almost always does well. Alan, you did a great job breaking it down, but look, Syracuse is just not good. And UNC is a lot better. I don't know if they're as good as all the height that they're getting, but they are one of the better teams in the ACC. So I think UNC wins, and they win pretty big. I got them 44-17. to 17. So it's a straight across the board from the breakdown here for the Tar Heels. Well, Lindsay, that means you're up with your featured game of the week. We stay in the ACC. We stay in the same darn town, uh, really. Notre Dame. This year, playing in the ACC on the road to take on Duke. That's the 1.30 Central, 2.30 p.m. NBC kickoff. Lindsay, tell us what it's all about. Actually, a small correction, Duke is playing at Notre Dame. Oh, not. my mistake. All right, so <laughs> Duke is on the road then. All right. Yes, for the first time since 2016. Uh, I mean, at Notre Dame, Duke's been on the road since 2016. Um, so one of the – wow, there's so much to unpack with this game. Uh, Notre Dame will absolutely wipe the floor with Duke. I will get to that uh, in a minute. But for the first time in history, uh, Notre Dame is eligible to win the ACC championship. They have historically, for the last 132 years, been an independent football entity. Um, They are in the ACC for other sports, but they made a deal with the ACC that they could maintain their independence with football. But with COVID, uh, 
essentially destroying their original schedule. They uh, made a short-term agreement to be a member of the ACC this year. So it could be really interesting. Um, Right now, it's looking like Notre Dame and Clemson will be the top two contenders for the ACC championship teams. Uh, It complicates things for Notre Dame because they would essentially have to beat Clemson twice if they both end up going to the championship game. Um, but that's that's the big news for Notre Dame. Um, they have a great team, a lot of returning players, including their senior quarterback, Book, who did really well last year um, and doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. So assuming he stays healthy, um, it looks like he'll be a force uh, to be reckoned with. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, Moving on to Duke, so Cutliffe is a great coach for the school. He's done a lot with them. Um, you know, he when he came on as coach, he took on a team that had only won four out of 42 games in four years. So he, he flipped the team around so that they actually won some time and won the ACC tournament, uh, I think, back in 2013. Um, but they're not good enough to be Notre Dame. And not only is Cutliffe the head coach, but this year he is also the offensive coordinator. So he's head coach and he's calling plays, which uh, is has not been, or we'll just say it's been challenging per David Cutliffe. Um, and plus dealing with all this COVID stuff. So Besides their head coach also being their offensive coordinator, Duke has lost a ton of players. Um, They've um, lost, oh, I had a whole list here, but they've lost like half their team and they're still pulling everything together. Um, So this game was originally supposed to happen uh, with Notre Dame's original schedule before they joined the ACC, but it was slotted for Halloween. So now they both get to play early as an opener, which should be really interesting for both teams. Um, now, last year, Notre Dame wiped the floor with Duke 38 to 7. Um, but Duke did beat Notre Dame the last time they played at Notre Dame, which, as I said, was four years ago in 2016. It was a close game, and Notre Dame is by far better than they were in 2016. So is Duke. But Notre Dame's just, they're just better in every, every way, essentially. Um, Not, you know, not to drag Duke through the mud that much, but, um, but Notre Dame's a tough team. You know, I think, I think they're going to be a contender for the ACC championship. I think they're going to give Clemson a run for their money for sure when it comes to that. Um, So... They so obviously Notre Dame wins. Um, could an upset happen? Sure, I don't see it happening. And I don't have a score picked out, guys. Um, but just spitballing here, uh, we'll go 42 to three. Oof, blowout yeah. city. I well, that was my other note, too, is that with so few games. 
the winners are going to need like style points, right? So the question is, are they going to try to play these blowout games and just, you know, yeah. go crazy or are they, you know, going to take a slaughter roll? Gotcha. Well, I agree with you. Notre Dame's going to win this with Lindsay. I think they're just the better overall around team. Cutcliffe will throw the kitchen sink at them, but he ain't got the guys to do it with. So I've got Notre Dame 34-13 in this one. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Brian Kelly and Ian Book are going to try to keep this thing rolling. An interesting note, last three years, Notre Dame's 33-6. and six. Now, two of those losses are to Georgia. Uh, no- Notre Dame is the better team at almost every position. Uh, David Cutcliffe re- always has Duke ready to play. Um, they're a scrappy bunch. Uh, I think they'll, they'll, they'll stick around for a quarter. I think Notre Dame pulls away in the second half. I like them 31-10 to 10 on a side note. Notre Dame may make the ACC championship game, but I have no faith that they have any shot against Clemson. Golden Boy will be just <laughs> dropping bows all over the place. Well, they got a long way to get to that one. All right, Brian, what about you? I got to go Notre Dame on this one, too. They have been a dominant team for the last several years, so I don't see them dropping off to a team like Duke. I'm going to make this a even bigger blowout. I'm going to go 55-10. to 10. Ooh, 55. So we're doing some Super Bowl memories on that one. Wow. So mm-hmm. I tell you, no, Notre Dame can score at will, though. And that is, uh, you're, you want to see points? Mm, probably watch this game. Even as sloppy as it may be, Ian Book's the real deal. And they can run the ball up there. So it's time for my featured game of the week. I'm going to keep it ACC style, but we're going to come back down south. We're going to talk about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, the Ramblin' Wreck, taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Mike Norvell, brand new coach at Florida State, coming in from Memphis, did a great job at Memphis, turned a lot of two- and three-star backs into NFL talent through the years. Now he's got some legit four- and five-star guys. Can he get them over the hump? Been a rough kind of start for Norvell's. Had some gaffes publicly and had to, you know, kind of win the team back over. But none of that's got to do with what's going to happen on the field. You know, FSU's got 17 starters coming back, which is good. Ten are on defense. That's very good. Their defense was solid last year. Marvin Wilson up front. Get your, you know, if you're an NFL fan like all of us are, you're going to be looking for him to join your team next year because he's the legit guy up front, can make problems happen for any offense. They've got a great defensive backfield. Asante Samuel, yes, his son is playing corner at Florida State. Yes, we're all that old. Let's just deal with it. He's a total lockdown on the corner spot. The defense for FSU is great. The offense is another thing. Allen talked about Syracuse's offense being a problem last year in their offensive line. Florida State's was somehow worse as an offensive line. It was nothing but Chris Capses across the front for Alabama fans. <laughs> Guys just letting people through. It was just free day in the park all day long. And poor quarterback James Blackman got absolutely crushed. And what I think was maybe one of the most talented running backs in last year's draft, Cam Akers totally wasted last year because he just had nobody blocking for him. Good news is they're replacing a lot of that line. They've got some transfers coming in. Should be better. Can they be worse? I can't imagine they could be much worse. Blackman's got more experience behind him. And with the Texas A&M transfer to Sean Corbin coming in, he's immediately eligible. Should be a spark at running back. But the X factor for them on offense is their wide receiver, Tamaron Terry. 6'4", 2'10". Guy can catch it in space, can break slants into big plays. He's the guy that's going to be a problem on the outside. 
what's Georgia Tech got? Well, they're in the second year of the Jeff Collins experience where they are trying to transition from the triple option. So they had all last year to kind of deal with that, and they had a lot of line problems. They beefed up that offensive line a good bit. They brought in a 6'6", 310-pound Tennessee transfer named Ryan Johnson at guard. That should help up front. Their problem was they're trying to get into a new mode of offense. James uh, Graham, their quarterback, 45% accuracy last year. Guys, that's not good. Like you can't you can't beat anybody doing 45% accuracy. I don't care what they give you. The strength of the team really is the defense. And it's really the defensive backfield. Uh Wanye Thomas and Tariq Carpenter are the back safeties. You're gonna have to put one of those guys with one of the corners on Terry to try to lock him out. The problem is they're not nearly as big as he is, and he's so physical that it's like watching his short corners go up against Randy Moss back in the day. So you're you're gonna wind up on a highlight real somewhere you know David Curry the middle linebacker for Georgia Tech is the stud on the team he's a senior led the team in tackles last year all over the place but he can't do it all by himself if we had had a full offseason I might really be tempted to think Tech could go in and snake this one because FSU is not good they're not a great team they're going to be right in the middle of the pack or the bottom half of the pack in the ACC this year I think because they still got you know growing pains going on but the fact that they didn't have any time to continue to work on their transition, I just think Florida State is going to be able to shut them down on anything they want to do on offense. And it's going to mean that their Florida State's offense doesn't have to carry the game and do too much. So I think this is going to be a sloppy game and a nasty game. But give me the guys with the defensive line up front that can make the difference. I think Florida State wins this one. I'm going to take the Seminoles 23-13 to 13 over Georgia Tech. Lindsay, what do you say? I'll take the Seminoles too. Um, I let's go twenty-one to fourteen. All right, Brian. What about you? I'm going to take the upset and go with Georgia Tech. Right. And I'm going to pick them to win twenty-four twenty-one. All right, Alan. What about you? Well, you know, Mike Norvell's a good coach, but he hadn't had time to install Jack as far as his offensive system down here. Florida State has been a train wreck for four years. The last year, a Jimbo on has just been awful. Um, you know, I think this game will be ugly. I think it'll be close. I think FSU has the talent. It is the better team. I think FSU wins 27-21. All right. So Brian's going against the grain. So we'll see how that works out for him <laughs> going forward. You're absolutely right, though, Alan. Since they won that national championship uh, the year after when they fell apart against Oregon, it hadn't been the same for FSU. That is for sure. So, Brian, that brings us to our NFL featured game of the week. And we're going to get this one in your backyard. The Green Bay Packers taking on the Minnesota Vikings. That's the 1.30 p.m., 2.30 kickoff uh, this week. So tell us what it's all about, man. Break down the NFL game of the week for us. This will be the 120th meeting between the Vikings and the Packers. And there isn't a meeting that goes by that fans on both sides aren't fired up to kick the crap out of the other team. <laughs> Looking at the series, the Green Bay Packers have a lead in the series, 62 wins to 54 for the Vikings with three ties. They've met in the playoffs only two times ever. And that was uh, recently, I think 2013 and 2010 might've been the years. And they split that. Now, this is the interesting part. You would think home field advantages have, have something to do here, but the Vikings are 29 and 29 at home against the Green Bay Packers. They've won as much as they've lost. The Packers are 33 and 25 at home with two ties. We're in Minnesota. 
they have the Vikings have lost the last two games against the Packers. Uh, so they're looking for some sort of revenge here. This is a very important game for both teams to get off on the right foot as they are, as we've said in our analysis, the top two teams in the NFC central. One of these teams is going to win this division and, uh, they're going to be fighting for this first win because it's hard to come back after you lose your first game and win the division. So here we go. Packers have Aaron Rodgers and literally nothing else that uh, impresses me other than maybe, maybe Jones on running back. Uh, the Vikings have uh, what looks to be a pretty killer wide receiver core. Now, even with the loss of Stefan Diggs, they brought in uh, sharp from Tennessee they uh, drafted uh, uh, Jefferson, and of course, they have Thielen sitting there as well. And they had some good stuff from BC Johnson uh, last year. Uh, I don't know that he's a, a game changer or anything like that, but he does fit a role on that team. They've got a stud running back in David Cook. Their problem is that they are very light on the secondary on their defense defense is normally Mike Zimmer's strong part, but uh, he lost a lot of corners, a lot of uh, depth back there. And they're going with a lot of young talent. That may be a detriment when you're playing a guy like Aaron Rodgers in a game like this, Kirk cousins, while he played fairly well last year, statistically, um, he was Kirk Cousins, right? I mean, he doesn't win the big games unless they're playing the Saints. Um, otherwise, he doesn't win the big games. I got to go with Green Bay in this one. I'm going to say it's a close one, and I'm going to go 28 to 24. All right, Alan. You got it. To, you've got a close game going there. Alan, tell us what you think. Well, Brian, you're, you're taking us back talking about the NFC Central. I can't wait to play Tom Brady twice. Um, <laughs> Sorry, NFC North, goddamn. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is a great rivalry. I'm a Packers fan. I hate Minnesota. I really do. <laughs> like, I hate Minnesota. Like, it, But, you know, here's the thing. The Packers may finally actually win a game at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, they have struggled in that place awfully. Uh, since they opened that place. Um, you know, and I've learned two things in my sports life. I've learned you never bet against Bill Belichick, and you never trust Kirk Cousins in a big game. Uh, you know, I, I think the Packers want to turn this game into a rock fight in a ditch. I think they want to pound it out, uh, play action pass. I like the Packers in a close game. I like them 24 to 20. All right, Lindsay, what about you? I'll go with the Packers. And let's say... 17 to 10. Lizzie, you and I are on the same page because I think this is NFL week one. Y'all is going to be super conservative. It's going to make the GOP convention look like you know, a, a parade or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's going to be super conservative because that's how coaches get, they get on side their head and all that. And so what does that mean? Take the better quarterback, Aaron Rodgers all day on this one. I like them 14 to seven. I think it's real close, but I'll, I'll take Aaron Rodgers and green Bay to go get one in Minnesota. But I do think Minnesota is going to be a team that is formidable, but um, 
Kirk Cousins in a big game. Ah, I just can't go there either, guys. It's just, it's just, he's too much like Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all flash and ain't nothing at the dance when it's all said and done. So it's time to get into our lightning round. We're going to do three college games, three NFL games, give quick picks on some. A couple of Thursday nighters in here, and we'll kick off the lightning round with a Thursday nighter involving the UAB Blazers, Allen's alma mater, taking on the Miami Hurricanes down in South Florida. This one that kicks off at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. We go in order of the picks record. So, Brian, you get to lead us off this week on the lightning round. UAB or Miami? Give me Miami all day. All right. Allen, what about you? You know, UAB has that one game under their, their belt. It, it was, you know, it wasn't anything special. Miami was uh, all over the place and has been for the last two years. Uh, people expect good things for Manny Diaz and Miami. I, I think they are the better team, and I think they will win. I like them 38-10. to 10. Lindsay, what about you? I like UAB. Um, I'm with Alan, and as I said earlier, they had the one game under their belt. I think that's really going to help them out with this. Also, I really feel like Miami is does not have it together right now. So that's my thought. You UAB. stole you stole my homework again <laughs> because I'm picking UAB in this one for two reasons. They got that great defensive line, can really slow the game down. Miami replaced their offensive coordinator in the offseason. I love Rhett Lashley. He hadn't had time to install anything. I know Derek King's a real fancy transfer quarterback, but he's going to be running for his life. Give me UAB. Give me the Blazers in the upset as well. We go to the Saturday games. Louisiana, formerly known as Louisiana Lafayette, on the road with their high-powered offense to take on the Iowa State Cyclones. That one's a Saturday, 11 a.m. Central, 12 noon kick on ESPN. Brian, what do you got? I'm taking the home team, Iowa State. Uh, I I have no idea who that Louisiana team even is. So give me Ohio State. Iowa Alan, what State. about Iowa State? Alan, what well, about you me? know, Louisiana Lafayette goes to Ames, Iowa, where your wishes where strange things happen, like fans in the stands. Um, <laughs> Iowa State should have really no issues with this game. I, I like them thirty-eight to thirteen. Lindsay, what about you? I'm picking Lafayette. Uh, I know, right? Eyebrow raise. I really feel like um, they had uh, some good uh, – I feel like they got it together in the offseason, COVID notwithstanding. And I was one of those teams that when they're supposed to win, they don't. And I, I think that Lafayette can pull it out. All right. So I, I got to tell you, I go in games like this. He's got the better quarterback. Brock Purdy's a stud. Give me Iowa yeah. State in this one. Going to be close, though, but I like Iowa State. We stay in the ACC to wrap it up. Clemson on the road to take on Wake Forest up in Winston-Salem. Saturday, that's the 6.30 Central, 7.30 p.m. ABC kick. Brian, who you got? I'm not going against Clemson just for anything, so Clemson. Alan? Clemson should be very angry and hungry. I still think they're picking, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's cleats out of their face mask. Um, Wake has some talent, but they should be no match for an angry bunch from uh, Clemson. I like Clemson 45 to 10. Lindsay, what about you? I'm with Alan Clemson, and I think it's going to be a massive spread. Yeah. You know, if this was a scholastic tournament, I'd give Wake a shot. <laughs> no, no offense, Clemson. But 
It's not. And Clemson is gonna gonna put the put the boots to him. Uh, this was gonna get ugly, get ugly fast. Um, uh, so I like Clemson big here, like fifty-five to ten or something like that. They'll really win big. It's time for our NFL lightning round now. So we go to the Thursday night, the kickoff of the season. I call it the quarterback extension bowl. The Houston Texans on the road to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champs. Brian, what do you got? Man, I Bill O'Brien's an idiot, um, <laughs> but I don't know if I can go too far against Deshaun Watson in this game. I know Kansas City is probably the favorite here. Super Bowl champs, Patrick Mahomes, still a lightning offense. I'm I'm going with Houston to upset them and get the victory in this game. All right, Alan, what about you? Well, you know, Bill O'Brien is an idiot as far as a GM. He's not a bad coach, but as a general manager, he's awful. Uh, you know, that the, the key guy in this game, and you're going to think I'm crazy, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know that Houston has anybody who can match up with him in the past game. I like Kansas City. I think this will be a fun game to watch, lots of points. I like Kansas City 35-24. to 24. Yeah, all right, Lindsay. I don't have any notes on this. I just picked Kansas City. That's my one note, Kansas City. So that's <laughs> you, what I'm going with. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's kind of like picking Clemson. I mean, you, th- that offense, it's hard to not go for him. I do think you make a good point, Brian. Deshaun Watson can make things happen, but he's missing one of his biggest pieces. New Hopkins is hanging out in Arizona now, and they replaced him with you know Randall Cobb and a bag of cheese. That's not going to be good enough because Kansas City's gotten better on defense in the offseason. They got Mahomes paid. He got his girlfriend a ring. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong. I like Kansas City in this one, but I do think we get some Madden rookie-level shootout ball. I think we're going to get a lot of points in this one. So I'll, I'll go – this will be the one non-conservative NFL game of the week because I don't think Andy Reid knows the, the meaning of that. I like Kansas City like 44-30 to 30 in this one. All right, we take on the Sunday game, Tampa Bay. The Tom Brady New Orleans, uh, Tom Brady experiment with the Buccaneers heads to New Orleans to take on Drew Brees and the putting all the chips and the table saints. The salary cap be darned. We're gonna we're gonna go for this now. I'm I'm really curious to see how this was gonna go. This is the 325-425 Fox National game. Brian, who you got? Here's the thing: old man ball is gonna be fun. Uh Tom Brady has been working out with his guys since March against NFL wishes against team wishes. He didn't give a shit. He's out there with his guys in any park he can find getting told by cops to go home. You know, he's ready for this. And now, I mean, you look at his weapons, Tom Brady won six super bowls with who nobody. There was no good wide receivers. All the times he had a good wide receiver. He lost the super bowl. Right. He's got amazing weapons in Tampa Bay. He's not had anything like this before. Mike Evans, uh, just three stud tight ends on one team. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay to pick up the victory here and give us a showing in his first game. Now, can he sustain it? I don't know, but I think he's going to come out red hot on fire and prove that, you know, he's the man who made, New England what it was and it wasn't Belichick and then of course Belichick will go do the same thing in New England but you know that's how it goes so give me Tampa Bay on the road upsetting the Saints all right Alan what about you well you know old man Brady gets a new uniform and a cavalcade of new weapons I think Tampa is going to come out hot I think they're going to come out on fire 
I think the Saints are going to be sluggish. I like Tampa 31 to 17. All right, Lindsay, how about you? I have Tampa Bay as well. Um, I I think that New Orleans has a, a more fully gelled team um, with all of the – they're not noobs. <laughs> they're the opposite of that on Tampa Bay, but I think all the talent there is going to pull it out. Um, I'll go, uh, I don't know, 35 to 30. All right. I'm going to stay with Tampa Bay in this one, but guys, I think it's going to be close. I I really do. Even with all the new toys to play with, what's the other thing we always know about Tom Brady? He likes to kind of ease it in and just dip the toe in and things like that. Bruce Arians also not going to be dumb, throw him to the wolves just yet. They're not going to be any fans in the Superdome. It's going to be a really weird thing to look at. They're going to pipe in some weird crowd noise or whatever, but uh, even with all that said, Tampa Bay's key in this one is they got to put hats on Drew Brees. They got to put people on him. Let Michael Thomas do whatever he's going to do. Even let Alvin Kamara kind of do his thing. Put people in Brees' face. They get enough pressure. They can get it done. I like them to do it, but I think it's going to be close. I like Tampa Bay in this one, 27 to 24. So I, I'm going to give the Bucks to get that win, too, on the road. We finish up with the Dallas Cowboys on the road, the Sunday night game. Or excuse me, yeah, the, the yeah the is this Sunday or Monday night when I wrote it down twice now. Sunday. This is the, the Sunday t- night t- game. That's what I thought. Monday. Yeah, the Monday night games are trash this week. Uh, the Sunday night game, 615, 715 on an ESPN. Dallas on the road to take on the Los Angeles Rams. So, Brian, who you got? Man, I just – Dallas is the most overhyped team since the New York Jets in New York. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, That said, the Rams are in free fall mode. They win their, but they they get all this hype going in with their coach and everything else. And everyone's on his bandwagon trying to get coaches in his tree and this and that. And they haven't done crap since. And uh, they're in a new stadium. So is it really going to be home field advantage? No. Uh, I got to go with Dallas in this game to beat the Rams. I just, I don't see anything good with the Rams. I, I don't think Goff is as great a quarterback as they thought he was in the first place. They don't have Gurley anymore. Um, it just doesn't do anything for me. And that's saying that Dallas is overhyped. They're still going to go in there and win this game. All right, Alan, what about you? You know, Dallas is some people's dark horse Super Bowl team. I don't really see it. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, Georgia's going to win the national title, too. I'm putting that out there. So. Two Georgia jokes in one show, man. You're on fire. Um, <laughs> I hate you know, being a dog. I, I do. But I, I'll tell you all this. As a, as a lifelong Packers fan, Mike McCarthy teams tend to start slow. Uh, COVID probably makes that a little bit worse. But I just don't know that the Rams really have the horses to stop this offense for four quarters. I think Dak will make a few plays. I, I like Dallas 24-17. to 17. All right, Lindsay, what about you? I have Dallas. I think it'll be close. Um, I don't have a score, but I had Dallas picked. I got Dallas in this one, too. I think the Rams are going to finish dead last in their division. I'm putting it out there. If for nothing more than they took a good uniform and wrecked it. I don't know if y'all have seen that. <laughs> like, Lindsay, you're in marketing. Come on. Like, that's a horrible, <laughs> horrible design. But beyond that, too, 
there's just not enough on the Rams to get me excited about Dallas. Now, you know, they lost their left tackle. So that's, that's a problem for them. They tend to not do well when they're lying in there, but I still think they've got enough to get over the Rams. Rams have lost too many pieces. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just uh, new stadium or not. I'll take the Cowboys to get that one done. Like, I don't know, 23 to 16 or something, some nasty score, but yeah, that's, that's going to be it. Well, you know, this would usually bring us to the end, but yellow, there is one more thing for us to do. It's time to buzz the tower. It's time to light up the world and go for the Hail Mary. For those of you that don't know, Alan over here has a knack for picking just the most random upset games, or at least put teams on upset alert in something he calls the danger zone. So Alan, hit the throttle and take us there. Well, guys, I I tried to buzz the tower, but the pattern was clear when they canceled the Baylor game because Baylor was going (laughs) to lose, okay? Yeah. So so I had to call an audible, and I I have a feeling that, you know, Jay and Lindsay maybe hacked my work computer. We're going to go to Miami, Florida. This is a danger zone double cross. (laughs) Miami is an undisciplined team. They'll be playing in a mostly empty stadium on a Thursday night. UAB didn't look great last week. But they got that game under their belt, which is very important. Spencer Brown is going to pound the rock. I think Miami gets careless with the ball because they're undisciplined, and they have been for three years. Give me the Blazers 24-21. So this is a first in the history of this show where Allen picks one way in the lightning round and then reverses it in, in the danger zone. I love it because it is the only thing that could typify the 2020 football season, as it were. So that's fantastic. Can't wait to see it and break it all down with you all next week and see how it's going to go. So, hey, I'm ready for some football to kick off. It's going to be a blast. You know, the the school I'm with here now, Charlotte, we're on the road to take on Appy State this week. Got to go up there. That ought to be a lot of fun. I'm ready to get things kicked off, and you know, we'll be back here again next week to talk about the next week of college football, the second week of the NFL, and we'll see how these picks show. See if Brian can hold on to the title for another week with everybody coming at him. But uh, it, it's a cage match every week here on the Gridiron Breakdown. Folks, go to the gridironbreakdown.com to follow the podcast. You can also search for the Gridiron Breakdown show on YouTube and follow us on Facebook as well. If you're following on Facebook, live Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, is when you can see the live version of the show shortly thereafter the podcast is up and you can see the video on youtube as well so for brian alan and Lindsay, i'm jay thank you for listening to the gridiron breakdown thank you for listening to the gridiron breakdown playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me i just hope we can win a game follow us on our website thegridironbreakdown.com or on facebook we do things right here my way you understand that You're going to be stacking string all your life, boy. I don't want your life. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. Now you all scared to ask another question? They're not going to keep them off the field tonight!